In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. So, do you remember pudding cups? Of course. And what do you feel about a pudding cup? Do you like a pudding cup? Hmm. Okay. Great question. Uh, I don't think <laughs> we ask this question enough in in life. Um, if a pudding cup is given to me, I probably wouldn't say no mm-hmm. if I was looking for a sweet treat. I wouldn't say no. It would definitely not be my first choice of a sweet treat. It is better than a jello cup. Oh, by far. But um I don't now remember us also, having a lot of pudding cups to be honest either. Like I don't know that I've had like that was not a go-to for us as kids, I don't no, think. No. Like we ha- we occasionally would have pudding for whatever reason. I would rather um, have a fudgesicle if I was in the mood for something <laughs> of that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, because, but that's one of the things, see, so you're already assuming that the pudding will be chocolate. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Nothing else will be fine for me. <laughs> I don't, I don't want a vanilla one. That's no thank you for me. That's like a, a, a full on. Or what about butterscotch? No, 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 no. Deny. No, thank you. I don't want that. It would be chocolate. <laughs> chocolate would be the only kind I would eat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Because the others are too much like, because. Just the goop. pudding. They're goop. Goop. I don't like the taste of butterscotch, but also like the vanilla is like a little too close to yogurt for me. And I, I Do actually. Do you not like, like yogurt? No. Really? There's a bit of a textural, yeah, there's a bit of a textural issue for me, and that's why only chocolate makes it okay. <laughs> okay, and, all right. Because it's a, still a little on the edge of too gelatinous for me. I know it's not jello, mm. but, like, it's, a, it's right. close. It's, like, jello's cousin. And, <laughs> and actually, the reason I don't like yogurt is more the um, soury taste of it. I think all yogurt mm. tastes sour. Mm. Um, See... Huh. Like, I don't love yogurt terribly much when it's got, like, the, like, some people love, like, the fruit on bottom part where it's, like, the gunky chunk of fruit and then you mix it in. I don't care for that. Either it's got to be, like, it's got to be one flavor all the way through. Yeah. And then I can, I'm okay with it, but I don't love it. But... I do like Greek yogurt as a replacement for sour cream in Mexican food. 
Okay, interesting. With or on something, I, ooh, I could, depending on what it was, I could be on board. And in, like, a smoothie, I can, like, handle it because there's other flavors that sure, are, like, of course, knocking yeah. it out. Well, because, like, that, but, you use yogurt in a smoothie to, like, create, like, the texture of smoothie. It's not usually for, like, the taste as such. Like, no, but I would never, like, if I was making my own smoothie, I would never use yogurt. I would either just, huh. like, yeah. If it's, like, at a place. Yeah, no, I, I don't like yogurt. It's it really, like, and I feel like I've tried because it's one of those things where it's, like. It's healthy. Sort of one of those. Ish. Yeah, everyone's like, um, yogurt. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've, like, <laughs> I've, like, tried, and it's like, this is garbage. I can't believe it. Well, and it's especially, this. like, that thing of, like, Girls eat yogurt and they love it. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm gonna have a little bowl with yogurt and like granola and fruit because I'm so healthy. And it's like that sounds terrible to me. Like that really doesn't sound good. Um, yeah, I can't. I don't. So yeah, definitely. So, so, so definitely, pudding is like a one million percent has to be chocolate or it's a zero for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then, it's just, like, middle of the road if you're going to give me something chocolate. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, like, especially, like, especially how this girl is eating it in this movie. Okay. It's really okay. very unappealing okay. and unappetizing. But, like, that I do. Also. Yeah, I did. I guess I was just, like, struck when I saw that because it seemed, like, very... Of a time, kind of, because I was yeah. like, I haven't even known a pudding cup. Or do you like, think it's of a time or of an age range? Because well, it could be like, both. Like, yeah, frankly, like I, I imagine that I probably because like later I need to do grocery shopping. So like, <laughs> very Check possibly out if they have some <laughs> there might be a pudding cup in my grocery store that I could purchase. I'm sure there are. Um. But yeah, I do think it's like a kid thing somehow. Oh, it's like for kids. Except and for like, except for butterscotch. Like, what kid is eating a butterscotch? That's oh like God. a very old person flavor. Yeah, I know. It's like, well, I guess that's the thing. Is like, it's for very small children and very old people. Like pudding. Yeah, that is. You're right. Um, yeah, and then and then, what do you think about like a bread pudding? Because I think that's the worst of all. Oh well, bread pudding. I don't mind. Um, I can find it to be a decent dessert. Um, because it's just like sweet bread and that's okay. I mean, it's it's not my preferred dessert item, but. But it's like smushed and gooey sweet bread. I know. And so that's okay. Like, but, and to me, I guess, Mm. even though it's got the word pudding in it, it's not like pudding, like what we're talking about. Like. I guess I've never um, had bread pudding, so I guess I can't really comment. But I just always assume that I hate it's it. It's kind of it, – it, it does depend. You need to be careful because, like, for example, sometimes I feel like banana is used to flavor a bread pudding quite <gasps> often. And because I don't like banana, I'm not going to like that bread pudding. Sometimes no, as horrible. well. Sometimes also raisins can be involved, which I don't like for that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it's more no, of a standard – if it's kind of like just a basic bread pudding, it can taste quite a lot like kind of like it's in the pancake and syrup area is what I would okay, say. I'd rather just have like a pancake 
or like a like a French toast. I'd rather if like I want yeah. sweet bread, I want I want French toast. You know, it's like, kind of inspired by French toast. I think a bit. <laughs> like, um, I feel like it's but, like ruined French toast. Uh, it's not ruined. It's just a different. <laughs> it's just a different. Actually, I think you've really hit it mostly on because I'm pretty sure bread pudding also involves soaking the bread in egg to some degree. Like. Eggs, I think, are involved somewhere in there. Um, but anyway, we can't get <laughs> sidetracked with just dessert talk. Um, <laughs> we could talk for two hours just about desserts. So, yeah, ranking which were the best like chocolate lava cakes we've ever had. Oh my gosh. And well, and, and we could have like, and the thing about desserts, well, just one last thing about desserts. Okay, <laughs> great. The thing, that is a little fascinating to me is like I have very specific opinions about desserts. And Clearly, when I find that other <laughs> when I has, find has been have, demonstrated. Yeah, and when I find people have different ones, it's crazy you, to me. Or it's just like it's so interesting. Like, for example, when I think of a cookie, like the best cookie I could have, and then someone thinks of their best as like shortbread, it's like, what are you smoking? Are you kidding? <laughs> That is the wrong choice. So you're saying you're you've got a lot of feelings about desserts and most of them ultimately come down to you are correct and anyone who disagrees with your feelings is wrong. I guess that's most of my opinions, right? Of like <laughs> it's like what you're totally wrong. Well, on that note. anyway. I could go on. I could, go, I could definitely go on. I, I appreciate that. That's apparent. <laughs> um, welcome, everyone, to see you next week in space. I um, am here with my... Uh, I'm Sarah Walsh, and I'm here with my sister and co-host, <laughs> Amy Walsh. And Amy, why don't you talk about or tell us what movie we're talking about this week? Well, um... We are talking about it's called the nightmare of the hidden pudding, <laughs> it's, where pudding it's becomes the dessert uh, yeah. animate and yeah. attacks a family. It's called, <laughs> Ooh, it's called dessert tales. I would like. I mean, I would literally watch. First of all, that one you just came up with, I would watch. Well, um, you did watch that one where the turkey for Thanksgiving came alive and then killed people, oh, right? So, oh my God, have you watched that? That I actually, <laughs> I made mom watch it and she got legitimately mad at me. Like she was <laughs> like, "I am angry that I watched this. It's very bad, but it's fun." Um, but we what we did watch was the 1995. I don't really know if it was a hit or a classic or what, but species or species, depending on how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think it was certainly a hit. I think I actually have that somewhere. Um, yeah, it's weekend opening weekend was one seventeen point one million, um, oh, wow. which at at the time was that MGM's time. yeah, and that was MGM's biggest opening weekend up to that. Oh point. wow! Um, and it was second in the box office that weekend behind Apollo thirteen. Whoa! Okay, that was weird to me too because we've talked a lot about like. Some of them, I mean, I think they also talk about this in How Did This Get Made, too, where, like, sometimes you're like, this movie has to be from X year, and then you're, like, yeah. shocked to realize that it was from whatever year. In this case, I feel like this movie is very 1995, 
in many a way. But what's weird is thinking that Apollo 13 came out the same year. Like, there's something about that that I was like, oh, these were in the movie theater together? Weird. Like, well, because one to you seems more elevated or one seems more like... Um, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess I just didn't realize that Apollo 13 was that old. Like, it feels like it was more recent to me for whatever reason than this feels. And even when I'm... Well, this this one has a distinct... Yeah, sorry. This one has a sort of distinct 80s vibe, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and maybe late 80s. And I And I actually... What I attribute it to is the amount of breasts we see. Sure. (laughs) That's that's fair. That's where it feels quite 80s and quite, like... I, I think... Apollo 13, because of the subject matter being so much more serious, it feels, like, more sophisticated, a.k.a., like, later in time. This one feels very much like, we're showing you boobs and you're going to like it. I mean, there's a sort of, like, we can get into it. I think it's also, too, like, just, like, somehow, like, the production value. Like, when I think about Mm. Apollo 13, I'm like... Like, if I put that on immediately after finishing this podcast, I think I'd even just the look of the movie, like the production quality would look more like how movies look now somehow. Like, I can't really describe what I mean. But, like, like the way this is put together is, like, she's walking on the streets of L.A. It's very clear that they, that those are really just the L.A. streets when she's on them. Like, there's no, and... Mm -hmm. There's almost like a music video, even like quality. the fashion. I would, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just like you know, I don't. It's not cheap, and I. But I do think like, and we'll talk about this too. I think probably most of that um, budget. So like, according to well, what year? Wikipedia, hold on a second now. Sorry, really quick. What year is Men in Black? That's a great question, and I feel like it's got to be around this time as well. Let me have a look. Because even that one, I would say, doesn't feel as... Yeah, Men in 80s. Black is 97. That's See, that's interesting, because I would say this one... Th- that one, while definitely 90s in vibe, it doesn't... I don't know if it's just a fashion thing or, again, like, the quality yeah. of, like, the way it's shot. I don't know. Yeah, there's something, yes, because even, even just, like, I, yeah, the whole look of this. Maybe, I mean, because what's funny, so, like, this is what I was about to say. It had a budget of $35 million, mm-hmm. um, and then went on to make $113 million worldwide, so a success wow. by any measure. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, I feel like probably a lot of that $35 million was funneled to effects. And yeah. and everything else was kind of like, oh, you we'll know. We'll use the older camera. Yeah, or, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll shoot this on the cheap or whatever. Like, you know. Um, yeah. Something, yeah, because something about it, even, like, when I'm just even thinking about the picture quality and stuff of this movie. Yeah. I'm like, like, so, because one of the things that I think is kind of a shame is, so they put all this, and we can talk about it, quite a lot, like, so the, um, yeah, let's just back up and then we'll talk about the effects, because that is interesting. So, the IMDb description of this movie is... A group of scientists try to track down and trap a killer alien seductress before she successfully mates with a human, um, which is 
what this movie is. Right. Um, <laughs> it, ex- it exactly sums one it up. One of the first times, one of the first times <laughs> you've read the IMDb description where I was like, yeah, I buy it. That's what I saw. That's that exactly matches what we watched. Yeah. Um, and so this is interesting. So the main character, the killer alien seductress, is called Sill. Um, and S I L, right? S I L, correct. Um, yeah. and it's and I thought there was more of a backstory as to why she was called this or like that it stood Me for too. something. But in fact, the guy who wrote this um, movie was like, I don't want it to stand for anything because we've talked about that a lot in this show where like something's called like Daryl and then they make a weird acronym out of it to like, you know, and he was like, I didn't want to do that. Um, I just sort of came up with this name and thought it would be good. And and it is. It kind of has an interesting like alienish quality to it. Um, Mm -hmm. So, like, All the Sylvia's out there are going to be pissed, but yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> so here is what I think is interesting about this, because, like, if the when we're talking about the special effects here, the kind of design that went into Syl's alien form when she's, like, a full alien was mm-hmm. created by this designer, this Swiss guy called H.R. Geiger, or maybe Giger, I don't know if he's... Uh, a French-speaking Swiss person. But um, he is also the guy who designed the various aliens in the Alien franchise. Um, Oh, I could see that. So, yeah, there was quite a lot of sort of similarities um, between Mm -hmm. those two different... uh, Yeah, these two different forms of aliens that are being uh, in the Alien franchise and this franchise as well. And Mm -hmm. so... I think, like, that's kind of one of the things that I think is a shame about the production quality of this is, like, the alien did look kind of interesting and cool in its way. Yeah. But we didn't see it very much. And when we did see it, it was always dark. I'm like, I can't see this yeah. thing. Like, I there was no shot that was, like, the... How would I say? There was no shot that was like the satisfying, let's see the whole thing. Like, let's see what she looks yeah. like as an alien. Um, and I don't know why that didn't happen. Um, but it, to me, it was kind of frustrating because I was like, uh, I, like let me see this thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just want to see it once because it seems really cool. It's got nipple tentacles. It's got this thing happening. <laughs> and it's got spine spikes. Like, let me see that thing. Like, um, and, like, as well, when she finally gives birth, like, she, like the baby bursts out of her chest. So I'm like, how does that work? Like, um, we didn't get to see any of that, which is kind of a bummer. Um But the other thing that I think is interesting coming out of this movie is, so it comes out in 1995, um, I forget, hold on, let me have a look before I say something incorrect. 95, when specifically in 95 does it come out? Okay, so it's uh, released in July of 1995, and... Various uh, people have looked into this, and weirdly, 
a lot of people think that this movie, in a in a way, inspired the notion of the chupacabra. Because of the look of the alien, or just the in general. That's weird. Because wait, the apparently chupacabra, wait, the chupacabra legend isn't didn't come into play until 1995 or after. Yeah, I it was, that yeah. was like really. I, I thought that yeah. was much older than that. I I did too. I looked it up specifically because I was like, wait a second. I thought this was like a much no. The chupacabra. That's wild. Is interesting for a lot of different reasons, but it is one of them to me that is kind of the most interesting is that it's a relatively newly made cryptid like people's minds just sort of like came up with it and so I looked into this a bit more to understand so um in the like in 95 and like in the years leading up to it in Puerto Rico there had been some deaths of you know like we say like goats and sheep that sort of thing. Yeah. And they'd been kind of unusual. And so people had started saying that there was like, um, not a chupacabra, but like, um, uh, what I'm trying, it's like some some, kind of like, like a sheep killer kind of thing. Yeah. And, and so that was already like kind of circulating around and people were saying, this is weird, you know, whatever. And then this woman who is like, uh, kind of the person that like, I wish I could remember precisely what it was, but like, um, some guy. What does chupacabra uh, translate to in English? Blood sucker. Goat sucker. Goat sucker. Gross. It's very specific to goats. Okay. Yeah. So, um, the a guy goes in to like do an investigation about chupacabra and like kind of tracks down that it doesn't really appear until the mid-90s, specifically to this woman. And so Mm -hmm. the woman who is, like, accredited as being the first person to talk about Chupacabra and maybe even coined the term, which I can't remember, is this woman called Madeline Tolentino. And she... So she has this experience where she thinks... Like, so she's living in this place where this killing... Like, sheep killer thing is on the loose, supposedly. Mm -hmm. She's seen the movie Species. <laughs> and when she talks about her sighting, because she's like she's the first person who supposedly sees the sheep killing thing while Okay. You know. And so she talks about it, and when she describes it, um, she has added certain elements of Sill's alien features to this to the chupacabra basically. Interesting. Um, so that's, a, that was like a weird, like, I'm like, who knew that Species actually was like a very important film because it played a major role in creating this new cryptid that exists now. I know, and I love the Chupacabra lores of time. First yeah, and there's a really March cute... 1995, that's wild. Yeah, and it's a really cute, um, there's a really cute kids movie that I watched, I think it's on Netflix, that might even just be called Chupa or something, but it's very mm-hmm. cute um, if you are into it. Um, okay. So that's pretty much all we got to know here. Um, I will also say that this has spawned um, a few sequels. There's Species 2, 3, and then Species The Awakening. 
Oh, gosh. Um, it also was adapted into a novel, and there's been two different comic book series um, inspired Whoa. by this. So, you know, the, I, I think, I guess we'll talk more about it, but I think my feeling about this movie is it makes sense to me that there's been more stuff generated off of it because the idea is interesting. Um, yeah, and it's also it's also something that uh, again is like pretty. It's like sort of straightforward and like accessible. Yeah, like most everyone can get on board with like. Oh yeah, we don't want a an alien seductress running around right. trying to mate with humans and like. And also at the end, I mean, not to give anything away, but like just like many horror type movies. It's resolved, but there's always, you know, a bit of an open ending, if you will. Yeah. And I think as well, like, part of the reason why this can generate more content is, it's a, like, this is very bare bones, this story. Like, yeah. And so there, you can flesh things out quite a lot. Yeah. So it's like, oh, well, this, like, starts it so we can do more. Um, Yeah. So we can start with the, main character of Syl, played by 21-year-old Natasha Henstridge. Um, Mm -hmm. This was, and I guess this will get to, like, why we kept seeing her boobs all the time. Um, She's a Canadian model. Um, She started modeling when she was 15, and and so that was, like, one of the huge draws of this movie. Like, this is her first acting role. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. and so I like I do remember that people were like, and by people I mean mostly men, but um, people were like a flutter about how much nudity was going to be in this movie. Um, okay, and I will say just to like not to bring it bring down the mood, but I'm going to I guess I just looked up a little bit more about her because I was like I know I recognize her and I didn't recognize any of the movies really that you said she was in or the stuff. Yeah. Um, she was also in The Whole Nine Yards, which is yeah. why I think I recognize her. But also, she's someone who um, accused Brett Ratner of sexual assault and also Harvey Weinstein. So, oh, okay. And I, and I hate to say it, but um, that checks out. Because For sure. <laughs> she, she's so beautiful. And, you know, I do think that is probably a time period where a lot of young actresses, she's 21 in this. That's a yeah. lot of nudity for a 21-year-old. Like, I mean, I know a 21-year-old is an adult and, you know, yeah, whatever. But you can bet, I, I would bet, and I can't obviously, <laughs> I can't obviously, like, blame this director or whatever, but um, that there was pressure that, like, you're a lead in a movie, like, you should do this. Do you know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I couldn't find anything. I think if she had said specifically anything about No, I don't think she that, said anything about this. No, I don't think she known, did. But um, No, I don't think she has and maybe that wasn't the case here, but I think, you know, I I, I don't know. That it just yeah. but yes. Yeah. Knowing that she's been through that with other directors makes it a bit uncomfortable. And listen, if she was, like, all good to go, and obviously I was not on set with this movie, so, like, you do you. For sure. But it makes me nervous that she was so young, and it was this time period when a lot of creepy, I mean, (laughs) time period's not over yet, but, like, 
it makes me nervous. And, I mean, quite honestly, like, her one scene with Alfred Molina was, like, a lot. It was. And he's 42. I know. It was. And I guess, the, like, to kind of round this out, what I mean, like, and this goes back to this, like, being in 1995 and what? Like, that's a weird. But, like, I think <laughs> the reason why it, it feels different than an 80s movie is, like, 80s movies have boobs, be, like, in a gratuitous way. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're just there for no reason kind of thing. Um, <laughs> whereas people were really, like, intrigued and kind of, like, making efforts to see this movie because it wasn't just that so much of Natasha Henstridge was going to be on display and she was already a famous model and, like, all of that. Mm-hmm. It was, it felt like, because, um, I mean, these are the years where, like, that... Madonna book where she talked like I think it's just called sex like it was it was this kind of like you know edgy risque sort of nudity that was different than or felt different than you know um what came before in the 80s that you were actually gonna like I'm not saying it was necessary to this story I don't think it was but I there was it was this kind of like we're not just going to throw boobs in your face anymore like we did in the 80s. Um, and because we're not doing that, when nudity happens, it's going to be kind of, like, weirdly aggressive almost. You know, like... Um, yeah. And, and so that's kind of how I think of this, is, like, in that hmm. realm okay. of, like, um, we're taking nudity seriously, and so that means, weirdly, we're going to, like, kind of show you a lot more, and it's going to be... Hmm kind of more graphic in its way, but, um, it's not, but it's also going to be like quote unquote for a purpose, um, (laughs) whatever that might be. Um, all right, fair enough. But so I was, so this was also funny because she appeared in an episode of Homeboys in Outer Space, which we've oh, watched. That is funny. We did not watch her episode, but we've watched that show. <laughs> um, she was in Species 2 and 3, and I actually mm. was surprised. Um, like, I don't think she's bad in this movie, and particularly for her first role. Like, I think she's fine at it. But um, I hadn't quite realized. She continues to work now, and she's worked a lot. She has a lot of credits, does a lot really? of TV and movie work. Um, and so, in fact, has five things coming down the track oh, whoa. now. So she's clearly got a good career for herself. Good for her. Yeah. Um, then we've got the character Preston Lennox, played by a 38-year-old Michael Madsen, who is Virginia Madsen's brother. I think that's probably the thing. If For me, that's the thing he's that's most known for. That's what he's most known for. Most known for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, because... I don't know any of the other things that... Well, I mean, I've listed some of the things he's in. He he definitely seems like a guy who plays a cop and or a crime guy pretty regularly. Um, okay. Well, I have some... I was, one, one of my issues with this movie was some of was him and his gun acting. Yeah. But that's yeah. it. His gun it. acting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also learned, strangely, that... Though he plays this, like, tough guy in various uh, films and TV roles, um, he is also a very accomplished poet. 
Um, Interesting. And has won some prizes for that. His his parents, like the Madsen parents, um, uh-huh. their mother was like a poet and a producer and writer and things. So, um, hmm. yeah, so he's been in a lot of different stuff. To me, some of the stuff that I was like intrigued by is he's in a movie called Piranaconda, like Piranha, Piranaconda, I guess. That. <laughs> um, yeah, so, oh, that's what also I was going to say. So he's got a total of 313 credits at the moment. Whoa. Which is, yes. And and that's the thing is like when we look he at credits. He needs to learn how to hold a gun. <laughs> I mean, especially for all the crime tough guy roles he plays. Yeah. Um, but so he's got 313 credits. He seems to be constantly working. Um, you don't get credits that high often when someone isn't doing voice work. Like, and he is not doing voice work. This is all front of camera acting. I'm trying to see. I'm trying um, to look at him like now and see. I, oh, God, he looks not great now. No, but, um, I don't think he would have aged well. I, I Yeah, I guess that's rude to say, but I was trying to see like what other things I might have seen him in. It's. A lot of his stuff is not stuff that I watch. But, no, um, it's I. Th- that's why I was like the only thing. Like he's in Kill Bill, I guess. He's yeah, in most of those movies. Dogs. Free Willy. Yeah, yeah um, I saw that, and I was like, I don't know what he could possibly be in. I don't think I've ever actually even like, seen Free Willy. So what? Oh, it's been a long time. I guess I can't. Um, yeah, he's in. Yeah, all the kill. Oh, yeah, scary movie also, but. Croc. Ooh, Croc I would watch. Um, (laughs) So. Yeah, interesting. He's a weird guy. Yeah, he he has a weird energy in this movie that I'm not sure if that's just his energy in every movie, but I didn't care for him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But we, like, don't need to worry about him as such because because he works so much. He's got 15 things coming down the pipeline. Um, I also wanted to just highlight, because this is from IMDb, and I'm not entirely sure what this might mean, but, like, in 2012, he was named president of the first annual Champs-Élysées Film Festival in France, um, which I'd, I don't know if the, the film festival honored Harvey Weinstein, Yikes. if it was, like, made in his honor or something. But Madsen was there. change it if it's still that. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think it necessarily means that Madsen was, like, super chummy with Harvey Weinstein. But um, I think it's... I think a lot like, of people were. And I think. Well, yeah, I mean, that, like, as we were saying, and but I thought it was, like, kind of intriguing because I'm like, oh, 2012, that's, like, before all the stuff about him really started to break. Um so yeah, not before he started doing bad stuff before people Oh were, yeah. Like, people I mean people knew but like the news story, the Me Too movement, like all that had yet to come crashing at his feet. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. Um then I mean and so now for me the rest of the cast is fucking amazing and I can't believe these people have been in a movie together and that it was this movie. Because then we have Xavier Fitch. Xavier Mm -hmm. Fitch played by a 52-year-old Ben Kingsley. The guy who played Gandhi is now (laughs) the 
the like team leader of this band of misfits. And I just, I'm like, wowie wow. Um, I didn't think in the context of this podcast, we would ever be discussing Sir Ben Kingsley. Um, But here we are. British. Yeah, he's British, and so that's one of the facts I learned about him. His real name is Krishna Banji, um, because oh, he he's from... Yeah, this is like a fun side quest in British imperialism. Um, so his dad um, was born in Kenya when Kenya belonged to the British uh, Empire, and... So because of, like, the connections of the British Empire, there were actually quite a lot of people of Indian descent living in different British, uh, like, Mm -hmm, parts mm -hmm. of the empire. So, like, there's actually... This is also true of South Africa and other British, formerly British, uh, like, held places in Africa. There's often, like, a significant Indian population um, because... I did feel like I knew that. Yeah, so that's where his dad comes from. I think if I remember correctly, his mom is just some British lady. Um, But I, yeah, I think that's right. Boring. Um, But so that's in part probably why he was able to play Gandhi, I have to assume, is because he does have Indian heritage. Um, Okay. His first credit is in 1966. Um, and Whoa. he's been in a variety of different things. Um, he's still alive. He's still alive, um, but he yeah. has to be quite aged now, I assume. Um, well, yeah, if he was 52, this movie's 30 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he's Gandhi is his, like the big break for him. Um, but then okay. he's been, he played um, Mayor Lansky, who's a famous... Uh, Jewish gangland guy from the twenties in in Bugsy, um, or not the twenties? Maybe it's more like the forties. But anyway, he's a big, famous historical figure. Um, he was in the movie Sneakers, which is one of my personal faves. Um, he plays a big role, which I'm forgetting now. He plays like a um, a composer in Schindler's List. Um, mm. Right after this movie, in fact, he played. Moses in a TV miniseries. Whoa. And I'm like, you went from How being strange. this guy to playing Moses. What what I a mean, life these people you mu- lead, it must have sir. been They must have assumed this was going to be like a I don't know when it was released, but like some type of blockbuster and they weren't necessarily wrong, I guess. So they were probably doing this one for the money, you know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't the, know. Like and I don't and he does a good job in this. It's not like he's like he's a great actor. He I, he's convincing in this, and I I guess we'll get to it. I'm not sure. I think this is entirely a bad movie, but I think. But there's that, some dumbass shit in it. Like for I mean, sure, I I enjoyed it, but I had some. First of all, I definitely had some questions about the team that they assembled to. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Catch her. That's totally fair. Um... Yeah, I like I think that hmm, how would I say it? I think that But it probably, does seem like a, a, a little bit below based on the other credits. Right. And when it we talk surprising. about like the next two people. Yeah, yeah the yeah. next two people on the list, like their credits are such it's not even that there's they do stuff that's like super highbrow all the time. I mean Ben Kingsley also I 
Is that his name? Yeah. Um, yeah. He also did a lot of Shakespeare stuff, it looked right. like. Right. Um, yeah. So it's not like they all do, like, uh, it doesn't have, I don't know what my point is, but, like, the next two people we talk about, they don't, they both do, like, blockbustery type movies and have done. But yeah. this one has a different vibe, even. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's fair to say that, like, any professional actor would tell you, like, you you take jobs that you're given, like... Um, and I wouldn't blame and, any of them for being in this movie. I blame yeah. a little bit Alfred Molina for that one scene, because I think he shouldn't have done <laughs> that's, that. But, yeah, that's um, fair. And I blame, I mean, I blame the character as well, but, like... Yeah, well, the, the character sucks, but... <laughs> the character is, like, bro, for real? Yeah, For real, sucks. for real? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't... I don't fault any of them for doing it. Job is a job. And, right. hey, I, I definitely get and, that. And you can't play Gandhi or the composer from Schindler's List, like, every time. Like, you have to No, and that also, again, really dark, I, too, right? Like and if, if every and movie think, you're doing is, like, an epic or something yeah. really dark, like, that gets a little bit of a, that's a bummer. And I assume that it is fun to be like, oh, I'm going to be, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call him a villain in this movie, but he is not a nice man, and he is kind of, like, Well, he's just very, like, singularly focused and doesn't really care uh, what, you know, bodies he throws at the problem, basically. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, like, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I I can see how this would be appealing in its way to play his character. Um, It's just kind of a surprise. (laughs) It's it's a surprise to see Ben Kingsley in this movie. Um, Yeah. But by the same token, it's also a surprise to see Alfred Molina, um, who plays yeah. the character Dr. Stephen Arden. Um, he's also British. Um, in his case, he's got Italian and Spanish parents who moved to the UK um, where he was born. Um, mm-hmm. His very first, one of his very first small parts is in uh, Indiana Jones uh, and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, which hmm. every time I watch that movie, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot that Alfred Molina was in this movie. <laughs> um, he meets a very sticky end on that. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he's also in the movie Lady Hawk, which was um, an 80s movie, also with Matthew Broderick and Michelle Pfeiffer. It's kind of a weird one. Um hmm. He played Diego Rivera in the Frida movie with uh, Salma Hayek. Um, he's also best remembered for playing Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2. Um, I did like him as that, not going to lie. Yeah, and and I also, because I, now I'm forgetting, it was like one of the more recent Spider-Mens um, where... Spider-Mens. <laughs> yeah, well, now there are so many. Um <laughs> But that was the whole shtick of it is like the because it's Tom Holland plays the newest iteration of Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. And I so right. in the more recent one, there was another kind of multiverse thing happening where all the different Spider-Men were like reunited in these ways. And so like and really? I mean, it was kind of it was kind of fun as a movie because 
they actually got like so Toby Maguire was there and um, oh, really who's that other one who's played Spider Man Andrew bef- Garfield yeah Andrew Garfield was in it and so they like there was something that happened that kind of fractured the universe and brought them all oh. together but similarly oh, that's funny. some of some of the bad guys came oh. back as well and so he Alfred oh, Molina fun. comes back as Doc Ock a oh, bit I like in that. that one yeah um he seems to be doing cuz like if he's 42 in this he also is getting up there in age so he seems to be doing a lot of voice work now rather than front of camera stuff which makes sense to me um then and another turn that is surprising we've got the character called (laughs) dan smithson i'll also say i knew nobody's name and no i found i I had to look up i had to look up what some of them were like i had to look up it like i looked up on wikipedia the plot at one point because i was like what is this team? Like, what yeah. are their specialties that yeah, they're here? Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> um, well, because I think by the end I had worked out that Forrest Whitaker's first name was Dan, but the character's name mm, is Dan Smithson, and I'm like, what? You couldn't just call him John Smith? Like, that's Dan Smithson is such a stupid fake name. Um, yeah. But so this is Forrest Whitaker when he's 34, um, and we've talked about him before, I think. Um, oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, when he yeah. was in Arrival, so that's why we talked about him. Oh. Um, I love me some Forrest Whitaker. I I really enjoy him. I thought his character in this was, like, incredibly stupid. And no. Like, the, the, it, and not the fact, him, but, like, the... No, the, the, the whole premise of that character's talent yes, is yes. insane. Like. We got to talk about that. We got to talk about that. We, and that's that's one of that's one of the things I meant by semantics because what they call him, I'm like, wait a second, that's not what yeah. this is. No. And no, also, no, no. and also, what they should have called him is Captain Obvious because, <laughs> like, sometimes he would say things and it's like, okay, Ladoy, like, what are you talking well, about? This sure. is not helpful. Sometimes it would be like that, but then other times he would, like, have supernatural powers as though he yes. were, like, a radar machine. Yes. And he's, like, yes. shoots over there. And I'm, like, what? Right. <laughs> what I know. That's what – it was very confusing. And because also – I guess we'll, guess we'll get to it. But, like – and also, like, when he was, like, quote-unquote chosen, like, when they took him out yes. of his life – he was like in a therapy session. I know. <laughs> and I'm he's like, wait, a, I'm confused. He's the only like, character that we see has a life that is somehow interrupted. He's like the only character yeah, and that's it's, given And he's that. interrupted and he's interrupted in a therapy in, session. In a, yes. the middle of like a mental health crisis. Like yeah. it's just very, it's very weird. It's just very weird. Um but this, anyway, but just, I do love Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I do too. And by the way, did you know that he was in a movie called Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai? Whoa, I didn't. I, I don't, don't know if I, I want I, to see that film or not. I don't but either. it's kind of wild. Wait, say, Ghost dog. The ghost dog part I like. That yes. part I would see a movie called just ghost dog. I don't <laughs> want to see I'm not into samurai stuff, so that makes it less interesting. To I know. Me. I don't get what the way of the samurai and like I the two parts of that title don't feel like they go together somehow. Yes. But 
who's to say? But um, my interest is peaked, but <laughs> I know. Um, and then finally, rounding out this team is a character called Dr. Laura Baker, played by 37-year-old Mark Helgenberger, who I was also like, she's in this? <laughs> What's happening? I didn't really know. I didn't really know her. I mean, I've recognized her, but I wasn't sure from what. I knew her immediately because I went through a period of I, I don't know if it was like watching CSI when it was actually mm. like new, you know, like did oh, I watch it every she's week a CSI when it lady? came out? Yeah. Um, okay. And she's really good in CSI. And okay. um, I can't remember. Yeah, that's what I'm having trouble remembering is like, did I watch CSI when it came out and I watched it like, you know, every week? Or did I start watching it once it had gone into syndication? And oh, I recognize like, her a little bit more when I look at the pictures they have of her that are more recent. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, that makes sense. And so what I didn't know about her, though, because, like, I only knew her from CSI. I knew nothing else yeah. about her career. But apparently she – and I this kind of makes sense. Like, so her starting place was in soap operas. Um, mm. and Lifetime and Showtime movies, um, which makes total sense because, like, she they've styled her terribly in this movie. Like, she looks <laughs> so bad, and her haircut in particular is terrible in this movie. But, yeah. like, she's one of those very people... 90s at the same time, don't you think? Yeah. Um, but, like, she's one of those people that I... She's, like, soap opera good-looking, you know? Like, so that's... Yeah where she started out, um, and specifically one of the ones that was an early one for her was called Ryan's Hope, which was like a primetime soap opera sort of thing. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, her main claim to fame is CSI, but she, like, one of the other things that I was so, like, enjoying seeing about this cast in particular is that everyone is still actively working, and, like, everybody has, mm -hmm. like, multiple upcoming things that are going on. Um, because these are, like, all of these people are good at their jobs. They are good actors. They have been oh, in yeah, things, you know. Oh, yeah, her hair is really stupid in this. It's bad. It is bad. I just went back to look because <laughs> I couldn't remember. It, yeah. But I do feel like it's very 90s at the same time. But it, she looks like a 90s, like, businesswoman or something. I don't know. Like There's something kind of, like, it's not just the haircut, although the haircut isn't great. But there's also, like, kind of, um... Yeah, like, I don't know how I would say it. Like, a matronly quality to how they've styled yes. her in a lot of things. Well, that haircut, that haircut is very, like, mom. Like, that haircut, it looks yeah. like a mom. Yeah. That's, like, if you're not a mom and you have that haircut, like, you've, you've made a mistake. Fire your hairdresser immediately. <laughs> <laughs> your hairdresser's a mom and gave you the mom haircut. Like, that was, yeah. they made a mistake. Gave you a mom cut. And then the other thing that really, like, I couldn't believe it. Because then, as I'm watching the credits, the names are coming up. And I'm like, Ben Kingsley, Forrest Whitaker, what? And then, to really round it out, I see the name Michelle Williams. And I'm like, oh, I loved this. I was like, it can't be that Michelle Williams. No, it can't be. And then there it was, young Syl as it. played by Michelle Williams. She was so cute. She was so cute in this. She like, was really cute. And she doesn't say any words, though. Oh, she does, like, a couple times a couple say some little stuff. things, yeah. But um, I think this was, for her, one of her first big, 
like acting jobs as well. Was oh, yeah, be, I think so. Yeah, I mean, so. this was pre, this is pre Dawson's Creek, so. Yeah. So anyway, here yeah, we are. she was adorable. Yeah, so here we are um, opening... Uh, up to this film is uh, a title card as per usual. Um, would you like to read what it says? Yeah, I don't think I even read it when I watched this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> for the past 30 years, the world's most powerful radio telescopes have been scanning the heavens, searching for signals from alien civilizations. The project is called SETI, Search for Okay, wow, that's dumb. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Wow, good name, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, just a little quibble. People call it SETI rather SETI. Yeah, than S-E-T-I. So it's called, and that is real. That's a real organization. Um, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of name. the things that is also interesting tying things back is that the radio telescopes that they're talking about, um, and Ben Kingsley says this a lot, is that we sent out a message and we got one back. Um, those telescopes are in Arecibo, Puerto Rico, where the chupacabra was born. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah. Um, now, what is weird about this is I think that, based on this title card, I think that Ben Kingsley is supposed to work for SETI, um, I would say so, right? Like, I and mean, I, he seems to be the head of it, sort of. Yeah. And then I think SETI apparently must run this facility where we find ourselves with young Sill in the opening yeah. scene. But now my thing is, is like SETI, I'm pretty sure, is a private organization. I'm not sure that they get any government monies from anybody. Mm-hmm. And this had a very, like, we work for the government Vibe, and we've got like oh, totally endless supplies of money. And I'm like, I don't think SETI has endless supplies of money to like run these secret dark sites where you can do like uh genetic experiments. Yeah, (laughs) like um, yeah, the SETI Institute. Um, I just don't think that they have the money for this, like. Yeah. I don't know much about it, but yeah, it definitely seemed like a whole ass operation. Yeah, it's a nonprofit research organization. Oh, like, no, no, no. It didn't look like that. It definitely looked like a government funded right. research center. Right. So, uh, so that being left aside, we are in this <laughs> facility where we see the young Sill as played by Michelle Williams. She's like waking up and. Uh, Fitch, a.k.a. Ben Kingsley, is observing her. Um, do you kind of remember what she's like, what her space she's living in is like? Uh, yeah, I would call it like biodome. <laughs> yeah, like a mini biodome. biodome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like it was, a, green, a greenhouse of, of sorts. Yeah. Um, a dome-shaped... Uh, it's like glass uh, on the top. Yeah. And then... With just like a bed in the center of it, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And then that is like... So that is then... That weird little dome is inside of a big room that Ben Kingsley is observing through a one of those like 
it's not a two-way mirror. It's just like one of those observation deck things where there's like a big window. And so he's like observing the room in which the biodome exists. Right. Um, Which I feel like that's got to be like an unpleasant way to exist is like in that weird little cage and like oh yeah oh you mean with a bunch of people looking at you like yeah a piece of meat yeah yes and then we we as the audience realize we've arrived at a very strange or like opportune moment I guess you could say because the Michelle Williams, young Sill, is being terminated. They're pumping cyanide gas into the little biodome. And, and we don't they, know much about her at this point, and that's dark. No. Like, that's sad. We, we see a child getting killed. Um, <laughs> and Ben Kingsley, like, mouths the words, I'm sorry, to her. And, like cries a single tear <laughs> and um but then sill punches through the glass um and jumps out of her biodome um yikes which is weird i mean i guess we eventually learn that she is like she she ages rapidly so i guess she wouldn't have been strong enough to do that until relatively recently. So yeah, she jumps out. But they do seem ill-prepared. Yeah, they, they aren't prepared for what's going on. And she runs away. Um, and then, like, there's, you know, some scenes of, like, hubbub and chaos at this facility. But she manages, because doesn't she, like, climb over a fence or something? I think so. She escapes, like, because she has to escape that room and then she has to run out of the whole facility. I don't remember exactly what her obstacles are, but there are some obstacles. And then, like, once she manages to get past the fence, I think then she's just, like, because then there's just, like, open country. So they, like, eventually, like, helicopters are trying to, like, go after her. But she, because it's this open country, she manages to get onto a train, that takes her away. Um, Then this thing starts happening, which I really don't get, but like all throughout the movie, Syl has these very graphic dreams um, of aliens. And after a while, I was like, at first I was like, I'm not sure I get what's happening in these dreams. But eventually it seems like what she's dreaming about is aliens having sex with each other. Ooh, I'm not sure That's, I got that either. I mean, again, this goes back to what I was saying before. We don't, the picture quality is not good. And so I'm like, <laughs> I want, show me that fucking alien. And if it is an yeah. alien, indeed, fucking another alien, then I want to see it. Like, show it. Right. Um, right. And, but so eventually that's how my eyes started to interpret it was because, especially because she seems to be being driven by this like really like intense desire to mate. So I was like, I think that's what's happening here, but I'm not totally sure. Um, Uh So she has, so Syl, AKA little Michelle Williams Wakes up from this dream. She's on the train. 
a hobo is now on the train with her. And I can't remember if she perceives him as a threat or what, but she straight up murders his ass. Like, (laughs) um, without even a second thought, she, and she doesn't just murder him. Like he's folded in half when they show the body, like, um, but she takes his backpack, which has some stuff in it, I guess. Um, then she switches trains. And again, like, I don't, the thing that I don't understand about this character when she's a child and when she's an adult is I can't tell if we're supposed to think that she's smart or if this is all just kind of like animal instinct to survive. Like, Mm. I'm not really sure because when she switches trains, it actually makes the investigation harder because they've already like the people back at the facility are already like looking for her. And so when she switches trains, that's like a big deal. And, And it, and that, and at this point, I was like, oh, is she doing that on purpose? Does she know that that's going to make this search for her more difficult? Um, I feel like at this point, it's more of instincts. I feel like maybe later in the movie, it's a little bit more calculated, obviously. Sure. But I do feel like at this point, it's more of a happy accident for her, sort sure. of. Yeah, that makes sense. So then we get to... The chocolate pudding scene. Um, and so she's like, she doesn't have any money. She figures out she needs it. So she steals some money. She buys some food. She d- and she eventually eats so much food that it's like shocking. Um, <laughs> but like the chocolate pudding scene in particular, I didn't care for because. She's eating it well, with it her the fingers. Of, yeah, and it's the start of the first like body horror thing that happens. And yeah. So she's like, she's like sweaty, and she's like eating it like frantically. Like yeah. she's not like she's not doing like two. It's gross anyway, but she's not doing like two fingers slowly. She's doing like dip, uh, and it's like she's like yeah. shaking almost when she does it. It's like she looks like yeah. someone who's like jonesing and like eating right. chocolate. It's well, and unsettling. it is because it's like because the the table that she's eating off of is covered in the evidence of other food <laughs> that she's eaten yeah. as well, like old wrappers and like other things. And then she is like she's like lapping up the pudding with her finger and like, it's gross. Yeah. Um, I think, well, yeah. And then that transitions to, so she's eating pudding feverishly and then, um, she starts to like freak out in this other way. And that's when we see, yeah, like the stuff bubbling under her skin. Um, like her face and her cheeks in particular, and like I think her neck. I mean, as her well face start... explodes basically. Like, yeah, like, that's explodes right. With like tentacles. Yeah. So many tentacles in this. Um, I don't. I don't care for tentacles. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna either. go out on a limb and say that. I don't care for tentacles except when I'm eating octopus, which I enjoy. Um, I don't even like it then, and. Like, I saw, like, I was just starting to watch the new live-action, like, Little Mermaid last night, and the, and the witch's oh. tentacles are, 
Ursula's tentacles in that look okay because of the little, um, I don't know what they're called, on the one side of the octopus tentacle that it's like got the little bumpies. You mean Normally, like? I don't like that. Oh yeah, the little the little like sucker suction parts or whatever yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't like that, but in the Little Mermaid movie, those look, look kind of just like sparkly. <laughs> oh, okay. So it looks it looks kind of cute. <laughs> so I kind of like the tentacles in that movie, but generally a tentacle is a no go for me. That's fair. Um, yeah. So she's yeah, her face explodes into tentacles of some Ugh. persuasion, um, and. So the team, meanwhile, has encountered this folded up dead hobo. Mm -hmm. And Ben Kingsley is like, we've got to hunt her down. That's his direct quote. Um, And so then he goes back to the facility to create this team of experts. Okay. And I also had to look this up because I was like, so in my handwritten notes, I say experts called together, and then I'm like, FW, a.k.a. Forrest Whitaker, equals empath. Alfred equals anthropologist. Marg equals biologist. And then I was just like, other guy equals security expert, because I didn't know who that guy was. In the Wikipedia, they call him a mercenary, but, like, I, I have so many questions about all of them. First of all, like... From just this, like, take away Forrest Whitaker and the other guy for a second. An mm-hmm. anthropologist and a biologist. Mm-hmm. Are those are those the most pertinent types of scientists <laughs> for this? Like, I mean, I'm, like, literally asking because I don't know that I get it. Like, maybe well, a biologist I get, but, like. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I understand an anthropologist. Yeah. The, the. The thing that I am less clear on, so like Laura, a.k.a. Mark Helgenberger, is described, I think, in if I remember correctly, in the Wikipedia thing. Hold on, let me look to, just to make sure because I have it right here. Um, yeah, she's described like as a no ma- molecular people. a molecular biologist. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I understand. I mean, I guess... Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know so what even guess, specialists are out there, but yeah. like, I, I mean, would think you'd want somebody from. I guess we're assuming Ben Kingsley is our sort of like the space guy. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If he's from SETI, he's the person who I guess knows about space. Um, yeah. So, molecular biology, from what I have now briefly gathered, that seems to be a lot about DNA. So that makes sense why she's there then, because she has the DNA expertise. Yeah, except for nothing that she says throughout really points to that so much. The only time oh she has her period or something. Right. (laughs) No. The only time her actual from my impression, her actual job is relevant is when they try and recreate that DNA strand in the lab. Like mm. she does that, but yeah, other That's times, fair. other times her, you know, quote unquote professional observations are the same that any person who's vaguely familiar with the idea that there are animals would say like, yeah, basically you know, she's like, oh, she's, a, she's at like mating age. Yeah. She's right, going to be wanting right. to find a mate. Oh, right. thank you. Yeah. 
Um, they all should just be called Captain Obvious, basically. I know. Well, and then, and it is, yeah, I think, well, we've talked about this before as well. It's like Hollywood knows that there are things called jobs. And (laughs) they know that they've got to have people with those things called jobs in their stories. And... So, but like beyond that, they can't that, all just play actors. You mean, <laughs> yeah, beyond that, like the handle on what these jobs are is very unclear to most of these yeah, people, because, right? Because then also, okay, anthropologists, I'm not fully clear exactly on the job of an anthropologist, but no, I this thought. is this is one of the oh, go ahead, I, I, I'll let you finish your thought before. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm probably just going to sound stupid, but, like, I thought the whole idea of an anthropologist is about studying, like, previous beings that have already been, not necessarily new. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's not what Um, an anthropologist is. I mean, not – you're not wholly incorrect. Um, So anthropology – broadly speaking, is just studying human beings. Um, Oh, okay. And so there's various types of anthropology. Um, Some of the more... Maybe I was thinking of something else. Maybe I was thinking more of, like, a paleontologist or something. Yeah, I mean, so anthropologists uh, can study human beings in the present and they can study them in the past, Um, you can be a cultural anthropologist, which means you're more interested, obviously, in like culture and society and like how those develop. Um, you can do linguistic anthropology, um, Hmm. and you can also do biological, um, anthropology. Do they say which which one he is? They do not. Um, so that's the thing. It's like, so for example, the TV show Bones features the titular bones she is a physical anthropologist who as a result of that expertise you know uh uh, investigates forensically the bones of her victims right so so there are varying types of anthropologists that you can be. But again, now, they don't know there's differences when they're <laughs> writing. And so, no, so we don't know, like, for in this case. And also I think what's weird is I, while, while, a, while a physical or biological anthropologist might be relevant to this team in its way, mm-hmm. um, I get the impression that what they're trying to suggest is that Stephen is a cultural anthropologist which is like uniquely like why Not, do why are you here like what do you what are you gonna tell yeah. us like um, and, well, and he and doesn't do anything right. like he, he doesn't do shit like compared in, in to fact, the he others ruins everything <laughs> he ruins everything but like compared to the others like you know he really Laura, doesn't do anything he Laura is able to make the new like construct the alien DNA. Preston, though, as you say, doesn't seem to know how to hold a gun. He at least does hold a gun and occasionally shoots it. Um, (laughs) Well, I will say about him, though, like, I mean, the thing about him, because he's whatever a mercenary, security, whatever, like, he's like a murder-for-hire guy or something, sort of. that's right, right. But, but, (laughs) like... 
A, number one, he's not that good at it. Number two, we're, we're not talking about a human here. Like, he's a human right. killer. And so right. why would we think that skill is going to transfer? And he only ever has a handgun. Like, yeah. he's never got, like, something, except for until the very end. They have Yeah, I was going to say, he has a big gun stuff. at the end, I want to say. But most of the time um, he's got that handgun and he's holding it like it's a prop gun the whole time. <laughs> like, it's just wild. Yeah, and then, and so then the final, so that's the thing that's weird is like, so he's got a function that he seems to be sort of performing. Laura has a function that she seems to be performing. Dan, the empath, I also, I can't even talk about him. <laughs> he at least says things that drive the plot. What does right. Stephen do? Like, what? Does he do? Does he make any he really, comments? Does he do any contributions to anything? <laughs> he really doesn't. It's true. He really I mean, is just like... That's a character who could completely be cut and it wouldn't matter. Um, and I bet you... Except I have, for I bet you, uh, the impregnation Except for when scene. he messes... Yeah, and except for when he totally messes the entire movie up. But like... I have a feeling if it wasn't Alfred Molina who was in that role, they might have cut it. Because, yeah, like, yeah. There's no reason. It is useless. But now, now, do we want to talk about an empath and what his role in this is at this time? Yeah, I mean, or do, do we want to say? I guess so. I guess we can. I get or either we can wait until he starts saying his crap stuff that he says. Yeah. But. I get, let's wait till he says the first sure. thing that he says, yeah. like when the first scene they get to. Yeah, but it is wild. Just to reiterate, Dan, a.k.a. Forrest Whitaker, the empath, is the only one of this team where we have this, like, establishing little scene that says, like, he's got a life outside of this investigation. He is the only one yeah. we see. Um, the rest just oh, appear. We see, don't we see... We- we see the the killer guy has like a neighbor. <laughs> Remember, does isn't there like a scene where Wait, he's like, "Bye." What? Oh, really? He's out. I thought there was a scene where he he was like there. I don't know. He was living I, like yeah. in a city like apartmentish type yeah, of thing, and he's like, "Bye, right. gotta go for a job," and it's like his okay. neighbor's like watering the plants or something. Yeah, that's <laughs> but that's all, it. Okay. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I I I don't even think I wrote that down. <laughs> Because I was well, like, I don't this think is it's important. This is stupid. Like, <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely not important. But I think it was their little way of saying, sure. like, these people have lives. Does have some sort of life. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, back on the train, we see that Sill has created a, a chrysalis, um, and. Like, in the train car, in the corner of the train car is this massive, like, pinky-brown chrysalis. And when the conductor comes in, I don't know why she comes in, but she comes in, and that chrysalis... She thinks she's a little kid, so I think she's, like, trying to keep an eye on her. Yeah, that's right. Uh, But the chrysalis attacks the conductor. Oh, yeah, Which is rough. Um, and then basically as soon as the chrysalis has like killed this woman, the fully grown sill emerges from the same cocoon and she kind of like plops out like upside down. Yeah, it's gross. Um, Mm -hmm. and I did write in my handwritten notes, full grown woman emerges, parentheses, boobs. (laughs) 
Is she um, already naked? I kind of forgot. She is naked in this because, I mean, this is the only time when it actually makes sense because she's being born. So she's naked. I guess. Um, yeah. Although, I guess she had clothes on before. I guess she would have, so. like, busted out of them because she was growing. Yeah, like. she's hulking out. Yeah. So I guess that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. But they could have I mean, probably put a little shirt on her or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. The other thing that's interesting <laughs> to me about this. So, okay, I'll save it for now. So then we cut back to the facility where Fitch is telling the team kind of like how uh, this has come to pass. So Mm -hmm. in November of 1974, SETI started broadcasting its message out into space. Um, And that's real. That's a real thing. Um, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they basically kind of the idea was that the space between inhabited worlds in the galaxy slash universe would be so vast that Mm -hmm. the idea that like we would ever travel to an alien world or they would travel to us is like not realistic kind of and Hmm. so instead it's like well but you know we can send a message we can send radio waves we can send sound waves and those will travel faster than we ever could so like that's the idea of what this message is is like sending out a beacon to the, and basically providing some information about who we are and then presumably if and when that message is received we would then the alien intelligence would send something back to us mm-hmm. and that's how like that's what first contact would be not like actual interaction because mm-hmm. like the assumption is basically that no one's ever shown up so far, <laughs> so like <laughs> probably we're pretty far away from things. Um, so they've sent out this message in an effort to have contact with aliens. Ben Kingsley then tells them that in January of 1993, SETI got a response. Now, this is interesting. The first message that they receive from outer space um, and and I wonder too, like, could those be like two separate aliens, like separate groups of aliens? Like they get one message that's about creating a clean fuel, mm-hmm. which would be such a big deal in this world to have a fuel yeah. that was like uh, clean and unending and you could like synthesize it any old way. They're like, fuck that. We don't, no, no, we're not going to do anything Lame. with that. Lame. <laughs> But the second message included a DNA sequence. And so for whatever reason, they're like, let's get on to that project. Um, And they in turn... Yeah, I don't... I don't don't know know why. why. No. Um, So they decided to inject that DNA sequence into 100 embryos. And... Mm -hmm. They allowed one to grow to maturity. Um, Ben Kingsley then says that they decided to make that embryo a female because they were going, they assumed that the outcome would be more docile and 
able to be controlled. Yes, yes, of course. We know that. And also, foreshadowing, uh, and also, I think a lot of people would disagree with that just on a general, well, like. But this, to me, too, was very, like, of its time because it's, like, sure. you know, second wave feminism. And you're, like, see these sexist pigs being, like, oh, God, the girl was going to be easy and then she fucking kills him. You know, like, very that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, yeah. And then... I feel like they say that. I feel like they say a similar thing in um, Jurassic Park, don't they? Like, well, I feel like they say something... That, or, or too. Is it some, oh, oh, that's... They're, that's they where they make them the all. Same. They make them all female so that they can't right. breed with right, each other. Right. That's what it is. Okay. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I guess yeah, it's not clear to me why they opted for females rather than males, but maybe that is also kind of implicit too that like yeah. somehow a female dinosaur would be more manageable <laughs> than a male <laughs> A female T-Rex is famously just basically like a baby. It just and this, really, and this really is chill. how this is how patriarchy and toxic masculinity are hurtful to all people because while your throat is being ripped apart by a female T-Rex, it's like at least my masculinity is safe. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or or you're like, "Oh my god, I thought that this T-Rex was going to be sweet and docile to me. Now I'm getting ripped apart because I um, underestimated women. Yes. So, you know, be careful. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Words to live by. Um, so once this creature, which, so I guess, I'm not totally sure on this either. I think she's like half alien and half human. I'm not totally sure on that I one. I guess. Um, but as well, like, yeah, there's, there's, I wish, and I guess this is, like, why there's other movies. Is like, I. Well, I have questions, too, about, I have questions about why do they have, they just have random embryos, like, just a, right. laying around. And, and who, how did that embryo gestate? Was there some woman who carried that embryo and then gave birth to a baby. Um, Wait, is that how that works? I thought, I guess I don't know if I know what an embryo is. I went along with the word embryo as being something that could have survived without a host No, yet. it has to go, like, that's the whole no. thing. Like, when you do Yeah, so they're, like, taking embryos vitro. out of people? Yeah. Right. So you collect you collect eggs from women and then the embryo is once it's fertilized. So maybe embryo is not even like cuz I'm not sure. That's why like well, I mean, this is all Cuz cuz don't you implant like, embryos? I'm well, this yes. is wow, this is a problem. But like do, I think you implant you can implant embryo when they do IVF right. and the like. Right. They they they, they fertilize. The <laughs> yes, they that's, that's what happens. Um, they mix up the 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 uh, gendered goo on either side, yep. and then yep. and then it creates the embryo, and then they shove that in someone, right? Yeah, it's perfectly so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a doctor. I'm an embryo doctor. So, um, so the, but so but what still, I don't, so what I'm saying is like what I don't fully. They still understand, need humans to get that from. Yes, what I don't understand is like 
did they have an egg that was quote unquote fertilized with the other half being alien DNA? Right. Or did they have an embryo that already existed? So in, in that case, the, the the DNA is created by a sperm and an egg makes an embryo. And so I don't know what putting in... You can't, like, splice what are, DNA right. of what another thing exactly? into it because, yeah. the, like... The DNA, once an embryo exists, the DNA is actually already there. Like, the structure is already there. So just right. jamming some other crap in there, I'm not sure how that's going to do anything. Um, I have a feeling we're supposed to believe, throughout most of the movie, I think what I was thinking was that she was, like, half alien, half human. That's what I thought as looks, well. Yeah, She looks like a human, so I'm assuming that's, like... One half. Her human half. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, that's, all the yeah. craziness is the alien half. But then by the end of the movie, I'm not so sure about that anymore. No, and because then she, like, transforms, and sometimes she's transforming, and sometimes she's... And, like, she doesn't seem to be in control of the transformations either. Like, they yeah. seem to happen by instinct again. And so yeah. that's another question I have is, like, are these transformations things she can control or not? Um, yeah. Like, but, so the other thing that's weird about this is that her, she, like, ages incredibly rapidly. So, like, yeah, they, Ben Kingsley explains that she was born only three months ago, but she's right. now, like, equivalent to a 12-year-old girl, basically. Right. Um, now, here's another thing. They, when they find this chrysalis in the train... They seem really surprised because they're like, no, we're going to have to look for a woman. And it's like, you just were finished talking about how she rapidly ages. You hadn't (laughs) um, imagined this might happen? (laughs) Yeah. It's called exponential, my friends. It's like, if you're saying at three months she looked 12, yeah, at four months maybe she's 24. Right. You know, like. Yeah, you have no frame of reference. You don't know the. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they say a lot of stuff when they first get to that scene on the train where I'm like, really? Is, this yeah. that, is that what you need to be saying right now? First of all, well, the one dude is like... Go on. I was just going to say, the one dude is like, oh, look at all the stuff she ate because she's not on a diet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, That's right. And I'm like, okay, thank you, 1995. We get it. Yeah. Um, well, and then, like, so... At the end of this scene in the facility, Dan, just apropos of nothing, is like, she's now out hunting for prey. What will this ill-equipped team of weirdos do now that this alien is out hunting for prey? Check us out next week when we continue our discussion on species. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.